The Irish are a nation of storytellers. Our stories are embedded in us and in our landscape. Welcome to Tales and Trails podcast in partnership with Discover Ireland, a brand new and immersive audio experience that invites you to walk the Irish countryside with us. Today I'll be joined by Dublin artist Al Hester, aka Macer. Macer's work lights up the walls of the capital with colourful murals that embody a seminal time in Ireland. His most recent project is Atelier Macer, a studio space in the city that supports and encourages emerging talent. The future of Irish street art is in good hands. Macer and I will take on the Killeshandra Loop in Ireland's hidden heartlands today. A walk that takes you through unspoiled cavern countryside and dense forestry, broken up by the bubbling streams and glimpses of lakes through the trees. This easy 6km loop takes about 2 hours to complete in full, and while it's not too taxing, it's recommended you wear good trekking boots and pack rain gear and plenty of water. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails hub on loven.e to plan your walking break in cavern, where we've highlighted all the best accommodation, restaurants and things to do in the area. Taking on the kind of Chandra loop today, parked at the town lake car park, walked up a little bit, crossed the road, and then we're met by this beautiful, lush forest canopy. Lovely, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, stunning. Do you hike much or do you get much? Um, I do, as much as I can. Like, I, there's a lot of different components in my life, for sure. Uh, and one of them would be outdoors and hiking. I try to fit in as much as I can. So, yeah, in the last, Year, two years, we're really prioritising that, being a bit selfish, good selfish. Yeah. Um, and making time to do that because it's rewarding and it goes back into, it, it filtrates into all other aspects, positive ways in my life, you know. So. For mindset? Mindset, health, relationships, uh, ambition, drive, all the eclectic mix. All the good stuff. All the goodies. And keeping in shape, obviously, as well. Yeah, that's that's a that's a benefit to it. Yeah, like I, I my my ma's moved to Ashford Wicklow. Oh man, I'd say six years ago, maybe. I'm probably wrong on that. But anyway, um, <laughs> near her there. is um, Glendalock, and I found myself going down there quite a bit with the dog with Rocco, and we do that Sphinx walk, and that's my favourite one. So, uh, yeah, we talked about fitness, so I would do that. <laughs> and then I found myself, me and Dee went actually down a while ago, and we ran down half of it. <clears throat> and I was like, okay. So next time there, I ran up about a quarter of it, walked it, and then ran down the other half. So it's a That's good- That's a pretty tough loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a good way of gauging your fitness. So like, oh shit, okay, I'm actually a bit better, a bit stronger. And so, um, yeah, that's a byproduct of uh, doing all these outdoor. Have you been here before? I have not. So you're looking forward to seeing what we have in? I've only been to Cavan, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's new space, it's lovely already. We're right immersed or in these little woods. Proper amongst it here, all right. <laughs> yeah, and there's something lovely about being in woods. I don't know if it's me, my inner hippie, <laughs> but when you're, uh, you're sort of blocked from all exterior, uh, oh, exterior. I, okay, I try never say the word energy, right? Because everyone's trying that word around all the time. But when you are in a space like this, you know, like this is like, this is walls of trees and nature and you are in this little cocoon of uh, clarity. You're, you connected, you're connected back to nature. For sure, so when you're just walking, I find my, we go up to the Devil's Glen and walk there quite a lot. And I find myself much clearer thoughts. And so I don't know if that's down to like literally 
slipping. You can say it, go on. The energy? Energy! <laughs> That's going through. Like, you know, from the city or something like that. Are these natural blockers? So they're stopping it and giving your mind clearer thoughts. There's a lot of so, noise when you're living in the city as well. Like, regardless of what it is, cars, people. Yeah. It's just constantly. So when I hear it's just... And you're bombarded with that and you're conditioned to think that's normal. And then you step out here and you're like, oh yeah. So that's what I thought of instantly when I came in here. I was like, this is a good place to have a conversation. And it's going to be a great place to have a conversation. Yeah. Were you outdoors when you were a young lad as well? Um, Sports? I did. I was always sort of sporty until I went to art college, you know, that everything goes out the window yeah, then. Out the window. Um, but yeah, I did, like when I was younger, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be either a lumberjack or a WWE wrestler. <laughs> what? <laughs> Those are the two ambitions as a kid. So the lumberjack thing, I still think this is maybe components of it coming back. With the shirt? The shirt, the shirt, the trees. <laughs> Told Dio I want a, an axe for Christmas. Did you get an axe road? No, cut down. Make some firewood, make some furniture. I oh, know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so out, uh, when I was younger, yeah, I did the usual, played golf, played hurdy. Schooled, I went on and did a lot of swimming and gym I actually did gymnastics for years as oh, well really? as a kid. Um, but that's just like school activities, you know. Um, didn't probably take anything too serious. Running. And then I went on to play basketball for six years. And yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then packed it all in for our college, you know, because you have to live this life of being an artist and all those cliches. <laughs> and with age and maturity, I realised then that actually that's not, those cliches aren't really beneficial to me. So I thought it was like, it's okay to be someone who likes to go to the gym and paint as well. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself into the one area. No, I, I really, I think we're in an environment now. Years ago, yeah, you, you, let's say in the art world, you're a painter or you're whatever. But now the environment, everyone's like multidisciplinary. So that can be, you can be a fitness person and also a creative person and vice versa, you know. So you can dive into it all basically. Yeah, I what think were, so, you know. What were you like in school? Terrible. Um, I hated it. You know, it didn't, it didn't, that, that structure of, um, that Roman way of teaching didn't suit me, you know, the amphitheater style where you, you dictate and then you consume that information and spit it out and said, hey, that, that didn't, that didn't work for me. My brain processed differently. So it's quite a struggle for school because I, I, I was conditioned like a lot of other kids now and years ago that you're just dumb, you know, but it's just a different way of being taught. And so our college taught me that and that it just, uh, the practical teaching suited me better. And so, yeah, school wasn't really my favorite time. Socially great, good yeah. fun. Um, but I definitely dreaded every Monday, dreaded certain classes, because I thought I was You were given inferior. the impression that you were yeah, less take. intelligent because of the uh, classes that you had Yeah, the parameters that were put in place yeah. in schools like made me feel stupid and all us stupid kids are all now <laughs> doing pretty well yeah once they figured out what they want yeah to like do. Uh, you know it's, it's, i know loads of lads around i'm looking at they own their own businesses and because the brain was wired a little bit different and they just saw the situation from a different little bit of an angle and uh it gave them has now given them the opportunities to avail of situations that other people wouldn't have because they're looking at things very linear you know, what do you think we can do in schools? Kind of, <coughs> I think the school system is already getting better now. They're restructuring it with the junior certs. I don't think they've implemented it with the leaving, but no, it's uh, come across where it's more um, continual assessment 
on projects. So it's dismantling that issue there of, you know, on the whatever, 5th of June or whatever they have their June assert. You have to remember all this information. And the pressures to do with that as well. Like, I don't agree with all those, you know, this, this finite time to just know this. It's, it's just insane. And, and the pressure that comes with an undeveloped brain do with that, like that's too much for kids. So I like the way they're separating that all out now a little bit more. So hopefully it changes over the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think they're gonna introduce it to the Leaving Cert then as well. And uh, but um, then there's so much more. Like the things that probably were most important for me and as a as an adult is like we live in a monetary world, so we have to respect money and we live in an environment where we have to pay our rent, bills. So I would have liked to maybe learn money management maybe or respect your own values and worth and then that will get you respect money maybe and that's one part of it and then obviously now like um, mental health um, huge internal conversations yeah. with yourself like there's so much more values real yeah real life stuff that I find important rather than understanding the equation of maths when they put a letter in it and it's going what is B <laughs> I never found out what B was. No. Still to this day, I don't have a clue what B was. See, yeah, it's uh, X over Z. <laughs> we'll call it that. Is that an L fact, is it? That's an L That's fact, an number L. four today. <laughs> uh, when did you first get into art then? Or when did you first, like, were you doing it in school? Uh, we met each other in a lane when I was 15, we fell in <laughs> that love. That's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> um, I got introduced to graffiti. When I was about 14, my friend's bigger brother was doing it. And uh, you know, like the bigger brothers, you idolized them. And he was into hip hop and he was cool. And he spray painted photos of graffiti on his walls. And so I just started tagging stuff like that. And then I developed on, I came across a magazine of Forbidden Fruit. Not Forbidden Fruit, sorry. Forbidden Fruit, Forbidden Fruit wasn't around in 95. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> um, um, Forbidden Planet, yeah. And that was on Harcourt Street at the time, actually, the shop. And I came across a magazine called Graffitism. And that was like my index into the graffiti world. I opened it, saw all the work of artists in England, Europe, and something I didn't see as a kid, you know? And uh, so I was like, oh, what's this? And so I bought the magazine. And then as I got older, I could explore the city a little bit more, went more into town, could see those other artists doing similar stuff. And just started like, found out there's a graffiti shop in town. It was run by a guy called, I'm probably wrong on this. His name was like Snoopy or something. So I don't know what his name was. It was in Temple Bar. I guess if that's not Yeah, name. Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we bought spray paint and I started just spray painting. And, and that's how, like I was always interested in art a little bit as a kid, you know, drawing pictures from the Adam Barry book or painting stupid pictures of like flowers and boats or whatever, like, you know, just things. Random things, but my mum my, my definitely encouraged it a bit. I think she, if I think about it now, there's definitely like this little art packs, you know, the canvas and the four little watercolours and, and actually, actually, we're, we're opening up my memory here a little bit now. There's a, another time, he's hanging with this guy called Vincent Lamb. Yeah, he's now actually, I think you've seen him there, one of his videos got nominated for some big award. Um, but anyway, his dad was a graphic designer and he had a studio in his house. And I remember he used to bring us with charcoal pencils down to National Gallery of Ireland. And we used to sit there on the floor and draw like whatever it was, the Caravaggio's or Jack B. Yates paintings, like our interpretations of them. And um, that wing, the old part of the National Gallery of Ireland closed down for years for renovations for, uh, they had to um, 
they do a whole revamp on the interior because uh, to protect the paintings, you know, the like circulation or the temperature or whatever. So it's been closed for years and it only got reopened there probably a year or two ago. And so I went back into that space and then got, remember that memory of sitting down as a kid. And I was in that space because I was exhibiting a piece in there. Oh, and I was like, that's pretty wild. Like, I just totally forgot about that part of my life. And I sat there and then, you know, I had one of those moments of yeah, what did it feel like, gratitude and whatnot. Yeah. I was like, oh, here I am now. And I've actually got a piece hanging in there. there now, like sitting there, yeah, so that was cool. But, um, but yeah, it was always just in my life. And when For did you sure. realize you were kind of good at it or you were going to take I it still haven't figured that out if I'm good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's subjective. Well, when did you figure out that you were going to do it for your livelihood? Um, you know. Still, like, I still won't, I won't really? say, no, like, I don't know if, if, if it ended next year, I'd be like, oh, that was a good run. But I would hope to keep it going. Like, everything, you know, you've got your highs and your lows and your dips and whatnot, so I hope to keep it going forever. Um, but I wouldn't be terribly disappointed if my life took me in some other direction yeah. to where my interests and passions followed something else. But I know we'll be definitely still within the same realm of yeah. creativity, uh, engagement with others. Like this, that's what graffiti has done, working in that public realm has had me working and engaging with the public. And that's become a narrative in my life quite a lot. Um, so I think that would be in the same capacity if I was to go off and not do art. But that's not to say I'm not going to do it. So you're pretty open? <laughs> I'm open, open, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm open to nice new experiences. I'll just go with it. Go with the flow. And uh, the studio you opened last year? Atelier Mesa, yeah. That's my nice narcissistic <laughs> approach. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, so um, I was living in the States for two years in uh, Northwest Arkansas in the tent called Fayetteville. And I really loved it there and I loved the people and a great opportunity, it was a nice break and I was traveling a lot and then I decided to move back to Europe. The next step, sorry, was to go to New York okay. and have a studio there and um, it just didn't sit right with me. I just was like, no, I'm not that sort of, I just wasn't ready for that pace, I don't think. Any visits I had to New York, I found them a little bit overwhelming. And everyone just presumed I lived in New York as well because like, why wouldn't it be at New York or LA? The issue with that is, okay, if, yeah, the natural thing is for an artist to move to New York or LA because there's so many more, more opportunities. Okay. But also, look at it like a room. This room, there's loads of people in there screaming and shouting, and, da, 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 and then you're gonna try and scream and shout and get your voice heard or seen. So my attitude is like, go to New York, or um, go to Arkansas, where there's nobody <laughs> in that room, and really quiet, and I'll scream and everyone will hear me. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what I did. And it also lent itself well to this, but like it's very lush outdoor environment and a lot of walks and swims and rivers and whatnot. So it lent itself well to the life that I want to live. Um, so I was there for, there for two years. Natural progression was to move back to, move on to New York. I said, nah, so I'm going back to Dublin for a little bit. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to London. I was represented by a gallery there. And I was thought, okay, I'll move there and give it a go. I was there for two years, and then it was quite not, you know, it was disjointed to what I was just saying, my sort of belief of a slower life, and the pace was too hectic for me. So I decided to pack that in and move back to Dublin. And during that time, I said, well, what does that look like? Does that look like going backwards? Are you not progressing going forward? And I said, well, maybe it's like regrouping and coming back, and because my, Life for the five years before that 
was hectic. Like there was a year where I was on a plane nearly every every week, going to a different city to paint something or have an exhibition. The next day I'd fly somewhere else and have to start an installation. And I loved it, but it got a bit taxing after a while. Of course. So I was like, I want to go home. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I said, well, what, what are you going to do when you go home? Like, you know, I would, I would consider myself quite an ambitious person, um, in a way, with a modest approach. <laughs> well, that could be argued. <laughs> Put a smirk on your face. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I said, well, what do I want to do? Well, I want to set up a big studio and be, do big work. And you can't do that in London because you don't know enough people. The rent is too high. But in Dublin, it's still Dublin town. So you get to know people. So I'll just put a few feelers out there. Move back. And that the idea developed more because I talk in this sort of idea of like um, an integrated lifestyle, which we can talk about in a while. Yeah. But uh, so I wanted to bring these other aspects of my life into this one space. So the only spaces I could find were out in like industrial parks and like out a little bit far and they were grand and I was going to go with something like that but then I was like oh us dubs are lazy <laughs> like trying to get anyone out to anywhere it's like I right. oh, just got to lose and walk 10 minutes through this industrial state it's not going to happen nope. <laughs> but coinc luckily enough I, sh I talk a lot about what I want to do and my ideas I don't keep uh, under wraps and because and I, I suggest people do that as much as they can. Put it out to the universe kind of Put job. it out to just put out to everyone you're seeing because Dale might know someone else and they and that's what happened. I was in the gym just with John and I was like, I wanted this and this and this and then a fella there from a property development company was there and he was like, oh, no, I want to show you this property. And it was it had all my needs within the city centre. So it's like deadly. Yeah. yeah there's in Charlemagne Street there. And uh so I did that, and then that extended a bit more than the idea. I was like, well, now I can have this opportunity. I've got footfall here. So I can bring in, I can make, uh, maybe make the space a little bit more presentable. And it can be my studio, but then maybe also double up as a gallery. And it ties in with that sort of um, thing saying about my community and bringing my community back in. And my community is that graffiti street art community. And I've luckily enough had the opportunities in life to be exhibiting in galleries but I know how much of a struggle that is to get in there. Like, you really have to hustle. Is so, it that hard, yeah? Yeah, it's a pain, okay. absolute pain. Like, but the, you just paint loads. You just keep painting. If your work's good, people see it. In the environment that we live in now with social media, your, your, your work will spread. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's sort of how it worked out for me. There's no strategy. Um, so then with the, with the studio Atelier Maester, it was just a gallery to like a stepping stone for those artists that I believe have that ambition, drive and talent to be able to just like a stepping stone into the gallery environment. So it's a space that we, we uh, showcase other artists work every three months. How important do you think that is for the up-and-coming artists I get? I think, uh, well, the response I get is usually on the night of the show, at the end from the locked, <laughs> and they love me. <laughs> so I think that's good. <laughs> like, I get a good response then. No, but like, it's, I would look at it going, well, just this would be a great facility if I had this 15 years ago. Um, and I'm not saying there's some mentorship or anything, it's just, uh, I'm just facilitating, really. And it's not a lot, like, you know, it's like, here's the space. 
I can tell you how to do with this or that. Or it just I'll give you all the shortcuts rather than having to figure it out. Of course, yeah, a bit of mentorship. Yeah, a bit of mentorship at times, yeah. And um, a lot of people have to leave Ireland, don't they? They feel like they need to leave Ireland to get ahead or go into a bigger... I still agree with that. I think you should leave Ireland. Like, you still agree with it? Like, well, for life learning. I don't mean, like, let's... If you, if you have to leave because there's not enough jobs and you don't leave, that's sad. I don't... I'm not agreeing with that. Okay. But I've learned that I've travelled a lot luckily because of my work and I've learned so much from that as it rather than all those new life experiences with culture and all those new environments rather than if I did it all in Ireland or Dublin so I agree with like traveling and exploring at first but did you feel like you needed it to progress in your career or did you feel like you could have everything here um well see my career is based on I get inspiration from my environments and experiences and people. So yes, I needed it okay. for further development. But if your work is, if you're an artist and you're studying still life, um, landscaping of Ireland, west of Ireland, well then obviously it's going to be detrimental to your career <laughs> if you leave it. So it really depends on each. Everyone loves short breaks, but to really experience a place, you have to get out there. A walk helps you clear your head and truly connect with where you are. Whether you're wandering, rambling or hiking, walking makes your break. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on Lovin.ie, where you'll find inspiration for your next walking break in Ireland. This walk is just outside the village of Kilachandra, a rural cavern village, set among green fields, forests and dozens of lakes and rivers. The perfect break from the frantic rush of everyday city life. Half a dozen of the country's most beautiful lakes encircle Kilachandra, and the rivers and lakes offer some of the best fishing in the country. As you walk the Kilachandra Loop on quiet country paths, You'll catch glimpses of Tully Guide Lock to your left as you make your way in the direction of Pleasure Lake. Is there anything else we could do to help artists in this kind of environment that we're in at the moment? Or is it different to when you were starting out? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's different because I started like, I'm 38 years of age, so that's <laughs> 23 <laughs> years ago when I started painting graffiti. So it's a lot different. There wasn't the word street art. There was definitely not acceptance. You wouldn't go oh, around. You know, people are like, I'm a street artist now. It's all accepted and you're cool. Um, and that's deadly. But no, it's a lot different. So what can we do now? Loads more. Like, um, you know... F See, you know, I'm saying this from being a visual artist, so mm -hmm. my, my perception of it might be a little bit different. But I think we need to probably invest more in the visual arts as we do, like with literature, you know, like poetry, writing. Um, how how internationally we're like we're renowned for that, but I don't think we are maybe as much with visual arts. Um, so maybe the I, I don't know what that looks like in terms of like investing more into us. And um, do we showcases like I'm going over to LA now with like a contemporary museum there to to showcase contemporary Irish art. So that's good. So yeah, I, I'm not. Things you know, like I don't have an answer. Yeah, things like that are going to help promote it anyway. So. Yeah, 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 all those little just things. Little There's no bits. one big yeah. thing. It's just all those little things. I'm going to push this button, it's going to be like, everything's great now. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, I, I just, I'm probably just, like, empathetic, like, to, because I, you know, I've a lot of, I know a lot of visual artists and they're all struggling, you know, and when it comes to clients or people looking for visual arts to do it, we're always the ones, I feel, yeah. I'm not saying this fact, uh -huh. I feel we are always the ones to be last paid 
to be compromised the most for pricing. Well, I appreciate you love doing it. Oh, this is going to be great for your portfolio. That's the worst one. Yes. Great yeah, yeah, yeah. And the you. next job will get you. You know, and th there's just a lot of compromise because I know there's a weakness there because as a visual artist, you are doing it as a, like, it's it's from it's from yourself. So if someone asks you to do it, then it makes you question yourself a little bit, like the self doubt. And if any bit of self doubt, then you'll compromise your price and your work, and you'll start bending to do things for others. So and then it's just a vicious circle of yeah. And then and then the client or whoever the hell it is that's asking to do it won't get the best work because you didn't let the the master do the craft. Do the work. You know, How important you that think? was a rant there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it was a perfect rant. <laughs> Let it all in. <laughs> this is therapy. This is a therapy session. You see running into the woods now. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Yeah. So that's the end of that podcast. <laughs> We're finished. How important do you think street art is for a city? Uh, very important. And because it's it's uh, changing. I think it's more important than the glass infrastructure that we live in now. All those big buildings going up. Um, so... It's culturally, yeah, it's of value because it's it's giving the city an identity, and it's and it, we know it has value because mm -hmm. if you look at, I've been in so many projects where let's say we go to L.A. You get a or not L.A. Sorry, Vegas, downtown Vegas, an area that's run down. They want to promote it, make it better. Same in Arkansas, we did it. Uh, no, in Oklahoma. They send all the artists in, paint all these murals, gives life, culture, acceptance to the space, then the coffee shops open, the coffee shops bring apartments, then developers come in, kick everyone out, double the rent and stuff. So it is, it's evident that it has value to a city, you know, because it gives, it's a, it's a visual voice of the people on ground level, you know, rather than a corporation with an agenda doing something. This is like an emotive expression in a space. And with street art and graffiti, most of it, is self-funded with no agenda and so people can see that it has integrity and, and that's you, what a city wants and when you travel to another city it's the first thing you notice yeah it's the first thing you feel when you you see all those yeah like you go to berlin like it's exactly, yeah. slow to scrappy graffiti but it's like you see all that energy and youth in the city yeah when i see that some people might be like oh it's an eyesore but i look at a big gray hoarding <laughs> with uh, advertising for deluxe uh, living, for unaffordable living as an eyesore. Do you think we should have a bit more than in Ireland? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more, 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 for sure. <laughs> Imagine I was like, no. Nice <laughs> <laughs> says, no more street art. No, we're done. I'll have one nice one there. No, that's it. We, that's need, we need more, we need more. But like, uh, you know, the reason I go to the States quite a lot is because if you actually look at the architecture, it's all built in blocks, yeah? So then when yeah. they knock down the building, you've got these big flat canvases. So our architecture doesn't lend, doesn't lend itself to that. It's obviously Georgian architecture, full of windows everywhere. And then this new development, spaces are like a very valuable commodity to come across. So we're holding on to these little precious gems that we have now, like the George Bernard Shaw, like little yeah. cultural headquarter for street art. Got another one down behind Whelan's. We lost Windmill Lane years ago. That used to be my hotspot years ago really? for like 10, 10 years. Yeah, I was smashing the place all the time, painting. <laughs> um, so there, we're losing it all, and you're gonna lose your culture a bit, and you just we need to just sort so of we sell out and kind of start knocking and building up the the glass buildings. There's gonna be less and less space for. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be the way. But you know, we're resilient. There's like, and we find our spaces and we and we paint and. 
like there's abandoned places and whatnot and there's loads of different new opportunities and challenges that's what graffiti writer likes yeah there's yeah places yeah yeah we just need to we i think as uh dublin city and we need to sort of invest a little bit more into that because people are like oh yeah, yeah that's just that's just graffiti it's not it's the biggest art movement i think there has ever been if you look at how many graffiti street artists there is in ireland in the world, how many, like, and then how much, like, it's exceeds, I think, any other um, move, art movement. Yeah. I, I heard it was like, it's bigger than the Renaissance. Like, so that sort of says that a lot. That says everything you need to know. Like, you know, in terms of like how many people are doing it right now, like, do you know how many hundreds of thousands of people are actually spray painting right now? Madness, like. Crazy. Yeah. So when you came back to Dublin. Yes, two was, years ago. Two years ago. Graffiti was being used as a grassroots movement for different issues in Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How did you fit into that? Well, it always has been. Like, um, graffiti, street art is political. All art is political, I think. Any action you do is a, is a political statement in some way. Your lifestyle is a political statement. Me not having your nine to five, not conforming to the norms, the which our norms now have changed to this probably is normal. But that in itself is a political act. Obviously spray painting illegally is a political act. Yeah. Um, telling, you know, you're marking, you're telling someone you're here, you're, uh, I'm here, I'm writing my name on the wall. Um, so it all has relevance. Then the art form in terms of like aesthetics and message that is also used then for political reasons. And yeah, I moved back two years ago, but that, that's been going on for years. Yeah. But obviously with the repeal. It was just big in Ireland, I suppose, when you came back. There was, there was a lot happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, in, in the environment that you guys see publicly, yeah. But that has that is went up and down over the years. Like, we look at other parts of street art and graffiti, where maybe certain other aspects that you guys might be aware of are really at a height. So we're like, oh, the graffiti movement's booming right now, but the it's public wouldn't be knowing of it. Um, so yeah, but it's there's definitely been a huge shift of cultural acceptance in the last few years. I can see that simply brands want to use us. People stop you like, oh, you did this. Like years ago, there was no awareness of that. Um, so then that obviously then gives you the opportunity then if you've got a voice to use it in whatever capacity you want. And I presume we're getting on to repeal here. <laughs> you used your voice, you used, you used the voice, you used it well. <laughs> and it was absolutely massive in Dublin. Like, there's probably no one in Dublin that didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if you didn't, you saw it on the Dublin internet. Plus, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it was everywhere. So that was years ago. That was, uh, I was living, I think I was living in London when I first came back to paint it. And a good friend of mine, activist, Andrea Horn, uh, was chatting to me about it and she said, would you interested in designing a logo or a badge for the repeal? Repeal the 8th. I said, yep. And we straight away, about, yeah? Well, no, I actually didn't say straight away. No, no, because I was uneducated. Like, you know, to degree, because me being white male privilege was unaware of, not as aware of the, the issue as I should have been. This is a good, good few years ago. Mm. And uh, so I looked at it and said, what would that be like if I was to do that? And I was like, yes, I'm invested in this. And designed the logo, quite simple. I was thinking, this needs to be a very, very clear message, no blurred lines. Um, and as well, when you're painting the public, 
that space. We have a very short time to communicate to someone because we're all busy. We're going from A to B. We're either going to like work or your Pilates class or your whatever. You've got wine bar. Um, <laughs> uh, so you've got, you've got, you've got, you know, and you're bombarded, as you said before, with the noise, yeah. noise, pollution, sound, like all that is like um, visual pollution with advertising and so this is infrastructure. In yeah. So, so yeah, you have to be. You got this moment. So that's what it came. Very simple, two color identity, nice, clear, inviting type, and the heart emblem that I've sort of carried with me for years. And did it, and then I was like, oh sure, look, I've designed it now. It was easy to paint it. And, uh, so I was like, let's try and get a spot. And I painted a wall on the, on the front of the Project Art Centre in 2009 for a project I worked on with Damien Dempsey called They Are Us, um, for the Dublin Simon community. Uh, one of my proudest projects to date, if I'll say so myself. <laughs> um, and I, 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 well, I'm taking credit for this, but I'm pretty sure I said to Andrea, here, hit up. Project Art Centre, she knew Keen in there, the director. And that's sort of how it happened. And we went and we painted it. And it went really well. And obviously then the other side found a loophole to get it removed. But that gave this collective energy of Dublin that well, this voice that was like bubbling away for ages all came together. And then the outrage that came with it. Yeah, yeah. And that came down. But like that was me being positive palm was like, this is great. This is good. It's giving the second chapter to it. It's now another voice, and everyone's coming together, like you know. And so that was that. And then went through all the stuff again, and we got to paint it again. I was like, "Daddy, here we go, round two. And we did it, and it got painted. It got to find another loophole. But then, but that's it. It was just creating more content. It was more working con against. Yeah, totally, two hundred percent. Working in your favor completely. Yeah. DS favor. Exactly, and. Uh, and you know, obviously social media is a big part to play and stuff. And people are like, how does that have the part to play? And I said, well, we all know Banksy, but how many of us have actually seen a Banksy piece? <laughs> it's because the internet. <laughs> and that's how this piece lives. So even though it came down, it mightn't be there. Well, it's a nugget of the it heart left. Uh, it lives, it lived online. So it does its job. And so we were very aware of that content and creating enough of it with videos and and the social media helped when it was coming down as well, because it just, like, that sparked outrage. Yeah. When it started coming down, someone took a few videos of it and stuck it online. And that <laughs> was like, that was nearly a bigger movement in itself. Yeah, yeah. So that's keeping cool. it all off. And that's really nice as an artist to see that, like, your work, because I don't want to take ownership of it, because I don't. So I, I made a copyright free. We built a website where you can download a PDF to then. People are making jumpers and their own banners and interpretations of it. And to see, like, this identity that you made and then take on everyone else taking ownership of it and it's doing its deeds and you're just sitting on the sideline watching it it's like a really rewarding um situation to be in and you have the little nugget that's left there yeah uh Keen left that yeah that was pretty cool uh he came and it was very i say in the most respectful way theatrical <laughs> and we came out and like removed it removed it you know like painted it over and i was like so much better he did that to me because i would have like so it's been really like painter decorator, so like <laughs> covering it real nice and boxing it out. He, you know, he put a lot of energy into it and left it. You could see that upset in the movements of the paint trucks. Left it there, and then he, he, we had to remove the the wording, and but then he just left this little token. 
which is I, I love it. The oh, I love it. That's there. I'm, I'm always in town and I'll take a little detour to cycle by and see it. And there's always someone out there getting a photo in front of it. Always. Or there's a tour, like tourists talking about it. So like it's it's still a lot to digest now, but it's a huge, it was great to be a part of that amazing movement, you know, and, for change. Yeah. How important do you think it is that we have left that there? Because then it's never it's never forgotten. It's not only. I, I don't like, like at the same time I've got paint over tomorrow, I'll be like, brr, whatever. It's just really? a bit of paint on the wall. Like now it's just that little bit of paint on the wall because it's I done it's all its job. It's like, so iconic there. Yeah, it tells but you can't story. be too precious when you put stuff out there True. like that. Can't be too precious. Like sure look how it worked well that it got removed. Like it literally fulfilled its its its, its task. It's so, done its job. Yeah, the, the nugget can sit back and relax. <laughs> <laughs> You've done your work, so yeah, just, just you're, you're good, dude. You chill. Today's walk is situated in Ireland's hidden heartlands, a region which stretches outwards from the banks of the Shannon. Nestled in the heart of the country, it's a haven of picturesque villages, stunning tracks, trails and waterways, as well as brilliant bars and restaurants waiting to be discovered. For more information, head to loveon.ie forward slash tales and trails. Kilishandra is one of the towns in the Cavan Burn Geopark which opened to the public in May 2014. The park site itself is probably around 340 million years old dating back to the Carboniferous period when this whole area was covered in a shallow tropical sea. The park is widely recognised as one of the finest prehistoric relic landscapes in Ireland. In a sense, this place has stood still in time, surrounded by planted forestry since the 1950s and is now accessible to the public to enjoy. Uh, anyone, any Dublin artists that, uh, or artists in general that inspire you? Uh, yeah, there's loads. Like, there's, there's probably all sort of like-minded people that I'm with and hang out with, you know, just... Young fella Aches, who's just yeah, I'm sure if people know yeah. him, like he's a machine, that guy. And uh, I talk about uh, a mentor told me years ago, it was just like, oh, there's like sort of three attributes you need to be successful, he believed. Uh, let me try and get this right now. It was uh, like talent, um, ambition and drive being one, mm. uh, and then uh, money. Right? And so if you have money, and talent, right? Well, you mightn't have the energy or the drive or ambition. If you've got uh, money and drive, but you've got no talent, well then you're not gonna do it. But if you've got talent and ambition and drive, then those are the two key components to be successful. And the money will follow, if that is your, one of your drives. And so uh, that really resonated and stuck with me. And so uh, that's something I look for in the gallery space, the guys, and Aches embodies those too, for sure. Like he is ambitious, he's a workhorse, he's, and he's got raw talent. You've done a piece with him as well, haven't you? Yeah, we painted together. We updated that You're Alive wall like nearly two years ago now, I think. Or maybe a year ago. Damn, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Let's say two to make it's it more historical. Let's say two, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we painted and we painted together loads, like okay, doing yeah. graffiti and stuff like that. And we painted right back to like decorating Oxygen Festival years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah we used to that go down there. Jesus. I used to get like free tickets. Like we'd go down and just pay for all our paint and go just decorate all the green, the green um, steel shield and then get tickets and have a buzz. That was, those are good days. That's Things nice. are simple. Yeah, um, you said you, you've traveled obviously a huge amount. Um, with your work, yeah. What's your favorite kind of project you've worked on away from Ireland? Oh, uh, da, 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 da. big question. Hmm. 
See, like, you think, like, I was in a Hawaii painting mural. Great, but nah, didn't like it. Why? Yeah, it's like, because I had all these high expectations. I was like, this guy, I'm in class. It was like, I felt like I was going to Disneyland. <laughs> like, Aloha and all this. And uh, I went to go swimming. I was like, we're going to go to the North Shore, we're going to go swimming. Drive all this out to the beach. You can't swim on the beach because the tide's too, like, the sea's too crazy. Sure. Then go all this to the other side of the island. I was in Honolulu. Go all the other side of the island. Then can't swim on that because there's coral. And I was like, Ugh. And anyway, it's disaster. I, disaster. yeah, but so my point to that is like huge expectations for it. But I probably had my most enjoyable experiences in places where I would just be like, oh, it's just a pit stop, I'll do this little mural. Oh, really? And then it would end up having the best balls ever. Because expectation, maybe, yeah. yeah. And um, maybe less pressure on, the, on, the, on doing the piece. Uh, but the most memorable would be for me, yeah, the people I meet. Like, there's been loads of times I've literally left, like, as if I'm like losing old, sold friends. I'm like, and there'd be tears at times. Of, really? These are people we just hung out with for a week. We just connected over. Just literally connect. And when you, you know that way, you can just feel it off someone, you connect really well with them as, then you can feel off someone and be like, oh, they got bad juju, yeah. keep away from them. <laughs> and so I've, I'm blessed, like 99% of my places I've went, I've had amazing experiences. Like Russia, I found a bit hard when I was in Moscow. Really? Language barrier. A lot of work, like the guys that were working with us, sound out of it, but not a drop of English. So I couldn't, like, <laughs> I was sort of pointing and fluffing around, like, not really knowing what to do. Like, um, and then I'm, I'm trying to think, so I haven't said on it. Yeah, it's but, all right. like, I was in, I was doing a lot of exhibitions in Germany before with a, with a crowd there, and uh, in Berlin, we did some really exciting work, you know, really large installations and galleries. and. There were great times and so well organised that the pressure's off then, there's some very less hiccups so you can really enjoy every day painting. Because it's quite, it's like meditation for me painting. You know, the same repetitive act, just this wall needs to go yellow. Perfect. Like yellow, yellow, <laughs> just yellow, yellow, into yellow, yellow, yellow. Whatever it oh, yeah, but like, yeah. Or like with the paintbrush then, just like trimming it like hours, <laughs> totally content. Um, Las Vegas, so I mentioned before, great crack because you're meeting loads of other. Like-minded artists, people, people yeah. do you aspire to. So yeah, loads of shared, amazing experiences. Someone young, as you know yourself, like it, it ain't easy coming up in the in the art world. No, What's it's really you, hard. What would you recommend to someone that's trying to follow, say, your path, or just you know trying to make it? Um, oh good, come back on that. <laughs> no, uh, I would nope. say just um, you'd just be very aware of your environment. Um, what I mean by that is like. Yeah, be like focused and driven and be true to your work, but also lend yourself to new experiences. Um, Bruce Lee be like, oh, there's no cap. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like uh, be open to all new experiences and just like really, really work hard. Like it's, and you'll only work hard if you really love it, but like really work, work, work hard, you know. So put the head down. Put the head down and get at it and enjoy it. Right, so we obviously see all the, the big pieces, the pieces that hit us, the repeal pieces, but what's your like day to day like here? Disciplined in studio, do you? Uh, because, yeah, I don't have that structure of nine to five, I definitely try and work towards that because I don't. So, yeah, my life could be I could get up at one o'clock in the day if I wanted and work late at night, but because I don't have any structure, I've always tried to work towards having that a little bit. So, my day to day, Monday to Friday, is usually get up, go to the gym, have to go kickstart to sweat, and uh, have a little brekkie. I try to, I practice uh, this meditation called Transcendental Meditation, TM. So I try to practice that, I was really, really diligent. 
for a few years and then I've relapsed <laughs> a little bit there. So I'm getting back into that and I can already feel the rewards from it. And then I'm in the studio for a 10 and I'll stay there. The day is very sporadic. There'll be lists of different stuff. Like painting is the easy part. It's the admin of running a business and life and all the new different projects, the diversity that you have as an artist. So you're not just painting canvases. I'll be working on hosting other shows, um, working with some commercial clients occasionally, but just being creative in different disciplines. So there's a lot, a lot of meetings and different stuff to do. So it's managing that and making sure to paint at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, like that's it's a pretty straightforward pretty structure, standard. like pretty standard, yeah. And then wrap it up at five or six because I just get tired. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, fair. I'll let you do that. And then like the summer's good now, so we're trying to do sort of stuff in the evenings. Every day's different, like you know, and trying to do, be a bit healthier. And then, but like just socially do whatever. Yeah. And then like uh, art has become my job, my career a bit. So then I'd also use graffiti as my hobby and pass I'm gonna try to paint on the weekends. That's sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, it's something like a 360 in itself. Um, but yeah, I tried to just like, everything is intertwined. I was talking about, I said the words integrated lifestyle. I really believe in that. And everything feeds off one another. So if I'm getting up and going to the gym, I have really good relationships there with the owner, John, like one of my best mates, his fiance, his brothers and his brothers and sister. Um, everyone in the gym is like that, helps that. So I've got friendship through that. Then that sets me up for the day then to try and eat right as well as I can, because I've just went training, so I don't want to eat crap. So I'll do that. And then that feeds me good energy and good, as well go into the studio and then have good healthy relationships with the people that work there which then will help us be more productive which then will help me do better work which then will pay the bills and so everything feeds off each other and then also the value of downtime to make sure you have time to sit back and chill and go for like a walk or these hikes on the weekends and regroup with or you know chat about different stuff and then also go for a lot of points when you want to enjoy that. So balanced lifestyle. Balance, yeah. And it can and like it can get unbalanced at times. But just check yourself and try and bring it back then again to that as much as you can. And it'll uh it'll skew at, at times but bring it back to what you love. Yeah, just say, like, I see a lot of people really harden themselves and I say that because I'm harding myself and I was going through a bit of crap there a while ago. I was really hard on myself. And then you look on the other side, you're like, Jesus, imagine I was talking to someone else the way I'm talking to myself. You know, you hear those sayings. Yeah. So I tell, I just preach to people, just be patient with yourself and a bit more compassion towards yourself. Is that how you got yourself out of the, the harder times? A little bit of a workshop in my brain, I think. I, I would do things, I could write stuff down. Those tasks are really good. Because we're always like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that, and then you don't do it because we don't prioritize ourselves. And so if you get to do it, which I just did recently, there's great value in it because you're, you're getting it out of your subconscious into your conscious, into real physical space. And you can read it subjectively. I'm like, Jeannie Mac, look what I'm saying there. And where are my priorities lie? And where are my values? And, and uh, then you begin to mature more emotionally as well. Um, so yeah, always, always question yourself and in good ways and it's good learning from it for growth. I think that's a perfect way to end it. 
Right. Amazing. Al, pleasure. Al. Yeah. <laughs> Al thank you so much. We're going to continue on now to Pleasure Lake. And uh, no, seriously, thank you so much. No, Al. thanks, man. Pleasure. Daily. Thank you. Nice one. Myself and Mazer continued along the peaceful track until we arrived back into the village of Kilachandra, passing through epic forest avenues and breathing in fresh forest air. Make it a point to get out and enjoy a walk in the stunning surrounds of Ireland's hidden heartlands on your next short break. The Tales and Trails Hub, in partnership with Discover Ireland, is a bounty of information on the best walks all around the country for your next short break. From the spectacular Wild Atlantic Way to the serene beauty of Ireland's hidden heartlands, the epic Ireland's ancient east or the surprises of Dublin, you're sure to find a walking break to suit you and your family. Just the break you're looking for. Make sure to share your trail photos using the hashtag LoveandTalesAndTrails. It's always important to be respectful of the wildlife and surrounding environment, so make sure to leave the trail as you found it. Visit LeaveNoTraceIreland.org for more information. Tales and Trails podcast is in partnership with Discover Ireland. Learn more about exploring the best walks of Ireland's hidden heartlands at loven.ie forward slash Tales and Trails. Walking makes your break.